Welcome to Sermon Notes. Uh, this is Clark, and we have a special guest with us today, Mickey Rapier, on Sermon Notes today. And so, uh, thanks for joining us, Mickey. Thank you. And um, we're excited to have you in Fayetteville this week. And, you know, Mickey, we've had so many new folks uh, start to come to Fayetteville the last few years. Lots and, of them. And some of them may not know who you are or kind of your role in our church. So just tell us kind of a little bit real quick about how long you've been at Fellowship and what your current role is. Yeah, well, I, I love our our statement, name nowhere, fingerprints everywhere. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that's okay with me. Yeah, that's cool. That's okay with me uh, if they don't know who I am. But I understand, you know, our structure and my role is directional leader here at Fellowship um, and in that, uh, I coordinate with the elder board and with the staff uh, the direction that we're supposed to be going and things the elders want us to implement, things they want us to do, uh, not to do, because we are an elder-led church. Yeah. Uh, that's how we're established. And uh, so it's my job to put all that into practice and make sure that we meet the budget and don't spend more than we make and those types of things. Yeah. And so. That's what I, I spend my days uh, doing is just making sure, sure the administration is done, as well as uh, ministering to people. I love doing that, and uh, I have been here. I think uh, I'm about to finish my 33rd year, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. 1989, or, or, I think. Yeah, first, 19 yeah. or enter my 30. I don't count, but uh, been here a long time, came here uh, leading worship and managing the uh, worship experience, and... Um, then in 2011, uh, Robert and I moved, Robert Cup. if you don't know that name, he was our founding pastor yeah. and directional leader. He and I moved into a co-directional leader role, and then in 2012, uh, he handed that baton to me, and um, he developed the training center yeah. that we know now. And so- Has it been 10 years? Been my history. We're in our 10th year of you in this this role, yeah, wow, yeah, ten years. You believe that? That does fly. Yeah, fly. ten years, ten more years, and you all have will, will have booted me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness, I hope I make it that long. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Mickey, yeah. it's a privilege to have you with us. And Mickey, one of the things that he gets to do is to teach at all of our different uh, congregations. Yeah, and so you get to kind of go big picture and, and meet different staff and see our different congregation, Bentonville, Mosaic, Fayetteville, Rogers. Yeah. It I, must be really fascinating to see what God's doing and what he's done. It is. The different personalities of the congregations. And, you know, I have to color code my calendar, really. Yeah. I, I do. And Are we purple? You are purple. Okay. You are purple on my calendar. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, only one high school. So yeah, it makes it really easy for me to figure yeah. that out. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, I get to visit all different congregations. And then, of course, each congregation uh, has an operations team, and, and that would be you and, and a couple of other people mm -hmm. to meet with you, you and Michael. That's normally who I meet with. And uh, it, it's fun to meet with you guys to find out, you know, exactly what's going on and how fellowship can be more involved in, in whatever uh, needs that you have. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting time. You know, it's different from when I got here and we were meeting in a junior high school, and there were three of us on staff, uh, I guess four, including yeah. uh, Wanda, who was our secretary. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's changed so much so fast. And, and I mm -hmm. tell people often, especially other pastors who we're consulting with or whatever, 
the beautiful one of the beautiful things about fellowship is the biggest problem that we've had over the years is having enough chairs for all the people who want to come. Mm-hmm. And we've yeah. been so blessed. And in 2016, we were able to uh, finish up Fellowship Fayetteville, uh, get that all paid for. And then here in 2022, we've opened Fellowship Bentonville and go back to two services here on the Rogers campus. And, and so uh, we're in this time period where we have some seats yeah. available for people because we've been able to spread out. But I've... I think very quickly we will be back in that place where we're saying, okay, what do we do? All the seats are full, yeah. you know? Yeah, we're, we're very fortunate. God's been gracious. We've been very blessed. Us, so. And we're very blessed to have guys like you and like Michael uh, who are leading the charge here there in Fayetteville. And uh, our elders and I have incredible confidence in your leadership. So thank you for all that you do, Clark. Thank you, Mickey. Um, hey, let's jump into our passage. Wait, how yeah, long go- have you been here? You Wow. Yeah. So 2005, I'm entering, I think year 18. Yeah. Okay. Full time here. That's and pretty so incredible. Was a member and a small group leader and a small group coach before I came on staff. And yeah. so I, I drank the Kool Aid early. <laughs> Gary Harold Just, nabbed you, didn't he? Oh, man. He was such an incredible discipler and vision caster. <laughs> and, uh, just rock solid in that small group space yeah. and casting vision for that. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I'm excited about this year as much as any year I've been here. And, mm-hmm. um, and so, well, Mickey, hey, let's jump into our passage here. Um, for those of you that are following with us, we find ourselves in the third section of our John series, the encounters section. And uh, we're going to be in John chapter 12 um, this week in sermon notes. And there's an interesting shift that has happened at the end of 11 after uh, um, after Lazarus has been raised. Jesus um, has basically ended his public phase of his ministry. And but there's a little celebration here um, by Lazarus's family. And then in 13 we move into the upper room discourse and we move into Jesus's passion experience. But here we've got this sweet little snapshot mm. of just this personal nature of Jesus and his deity and humanity with this family. And so, Mickey, just set up this scene for us, and then we'll begin to look at some things that maybe aren't going to make the sermon this week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, as we look at this, you know, sometimes it's confusing for people when they look and they see this story recorded in Matthew 26 and then Mark 14, and then there's, there's another similar story. Uh, recorded in Luke 7 that happened in Galilee where Jesus was anointed. And they're saying, wait, these things, they say different different things about this story. Yeah. Uh, and then we come to John 12, and we have that, of course, that's what we're dealing with this week. Uh, but I, I thought last week, I, I had the privilege of being down in Fayetteville last week and just being a part of the service as Garland taught. We have to remember John 21, where John said there were so many other things that Jesus did that if all of them were written down, uh, the world itself could not contain the books. And so yeah. not every story, every reflection uh, is going to be the same because God did not take away the personalities of each different apostle That's right. as they wrote these stories. And so you're going to find things that are a little bit different in each of them. But I think Matthew 26, Mark 14, John 12, I think that that's all the same story. Yeah, They just have a different perspective, different look at it. Luke 8 is totally different, different time. 
as I said, up in Galilee at a Pharisee's house, all that. But mm-hmm. but these look very similar. Um, it's like turning a diamond into the light a little bit, exactly. and you see different aspects of it. That's a beautiful yeah. way to put it. But I think this story is one of the most beautiful stories of adoration in the Scriptures. Hmm. Here we have a woman who uh, pours out this expensive alabaster jar of, of perfume uh, we assume this is alabaster. It's reflected that way in the others. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I mean, she she broke the neck on the bottle, which she poured out all of it. And that was a year's wages, you know, there. And, and I think yeah. it's the story of the dinner is just phenomenal in itself because, uh, uh, well, where was the dinner? Well, we think it was at. Simon the leper's house, because that's what Matthew and Mark record, Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus were hosting the dinner. That's right. And uh, so I think it was still at Simon, I I should say Simon, the former leper's house. Yeah, Yeah. no longer is he one. No longer is he a leper, you know, and what were the conversations like? Hey, what was it like to be a leper, Simon? You know, uh, hey, who did you meet when you were in heaven, when you were dead, Lazarus? And I can imagine uh, Lazarus, you know, pulling Jesus aside at some point and saying, hey, why did you bring me back? Hmm. (laughs) Because there he was in the perfection of what God has for us. No eye has seen, no ears heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Lazarus experienced that in all its beauty of being in the presence of God. Hmm. And that's where heaven is. It's wherever God is. And he was in the presence of God. And Jesus brought him back. And that beautiful story of Lazarus. And so here he was, and we find out at the end of the chapter, now his life is threatened Yeah, again. <laughs> One week after being raised, the yeah. Pharisees have a plan to take him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. He can't catch a break. Uh, but, but I think her story is one of the most beautiful uh, in the scriptures. Uh, it was at Bethany, uh, which we know is just uh, a few miles from Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And uh, they gave this dinner in his honor. And then in the third verse, it says, she took that pint of pure nard, which is uh, a perfume from India, very, very expensive. And she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Hmm. And the whole house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And that tells us that John was an eyewitness. John was there. Uh, he, he smelled that perfume, and he knew uh, that experience, and uh, Matthew and Mark tells us uh, tell us that uh, she poured it on his head. Uh, John talks about pouring it on his feet, and we have to remember how they were seated. Um, they were at the it was a triclinium table, and so they reclined. They didn't sit in chairs mm-hmm. like we did. They reclined at the table with their feet farthest away from the table. Mm-hmm. And I really think that's a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> you know, no especially doubt. For a lot of reasons. You're wearing yeah. sandals, so their feet were farthest away. But I think she anointed his whole body. I think his clothing would have been marked by that fragrance. I think he would have that fragrance would have been a part of him for that next week of his life all the way to the cross. Yeah. And that's something I probably in, won't have time. In preparation for burial. If you will, in preparation for burial, yeah, yeah, she she did something that she really didn't know the significance of it at the time. Hmm. 
Yeah, I don't think she realized that his death was going to come, but yeah. uh, she was doing something that she didn't have all the information, but it was a prophetic act. And, and Jesus even alluded to that when he said, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. Hmm. Significant statement yeah. there. Mickey, I've always wondered, this is a fascinating statement there right in the middle. In this sweet moment, there's this statement about the poor and about wasting mm-hmm. something that expensive. And it's just an interesting back and forth. And the servant Jesus, this is one of the first times you see him allowed, allowing himself to be worshipped, if you will, this side of the yeah. cross. Yeah. And um, and there's it's, it's maybe a gentle rebuke. Uh, to Judas and this this statement with the poor, we me and our small group, we were wrestling through that and what does that mean? And um, I don't know. Speak into that. Yeah, um, it's a unique statement. Yeah. Well, number one, the the issue was brought up by a poser. Uh, this right. is the first time that John, or the first time in the Gospels, that he was called a thief. Hmm. Although uh, I think they, from what this says, they had their suspicions about him because. John has that, that parenthetical statement. Said uh, He said he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. Yeah. <laughs> As the keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put, uh, what was put into it. And so I— Yeah, John didn't pull punches. No, there. he didn't yeah. pull any punches. And so he—and and you know what? That is, a, that is a great thing for us to remember of not taking things that aren't ours. We have a way of justifying. We hear people embezzling money and things like that. Jesus is taking a little bit out, and you know, chances are they thought, you know what, I'm not getting paid as much as I should have, or you know, that person over there, they're getting paid more than I am, and I should be getting that much. Yeah. And they begin to justify that. And you know, the first thing we know, we see this good person in the news. Yeah. That has been taken a little off the top over the years, and now they're in big trouble. It started small. It starts small. It's self-justifying, and it ends up yeah. a tragedy. It ends up being yeah. a huge crime. Uh, uh, but when he said this, uh, he said, leave her alone. Uh, I, I love that, you know, that he said, leave her alone. It's just like the story of the Samaritan woman. He didn't condemn her. And uh, Jewish women in the first century, they kept their hair bound. But this says that she wiped his feet with her hair, hmm. the, wiped the excess, I think, uh, with, with her hair. So there was a sense where she just she let her hair down in front of Jesus. And there were probably some of the more upright Jews in the room went, <gasps> you know. She's, so many boundaries Mary, being crossed in this moment. Mary has let her hair down. Yeah. But he didn't say to her, how dare you let your hair down in front of me, you know? Mm-hmm. He said, leave her alone. And then the, the essence mm-hmm. of the statement that he makes about the poor, did Jesus care for the poor? Absolutely, he cared yeah. for the poor. He wasn't giving us direction on our devotion to the poor about how, you know, don't worry about that. Uh, he was saying she's doing what needs to be done before it's too late. Yeah. We don't have the option of doing what Mary did in the fashion that she did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before it was too late, before he was gone, she poured out this valuable perfume on him, and she did something that no one else would ever do. Mm-hmm. And it's recorded in the other Gospels that it would always be remembered 
what she had done. Yeah. It's become quite the story. Um, Beautiful. No over the years. Yeah. And, and that's something else for us to, to think about. When Jesus died on the cross, he said to Telestai, you know, it is finished. I've finished the work. I've completed the work that you've called me to do. And that's to Telestai, they would use that word as a stamp on a document. When someone paid off a loan, that's what it would say. It is finished. To Telestai. It's, mm. it's done. It's paid off. And when when he, when he died on the cross and he said, it is finished, there were still poor people in the world. There were still blind people in the world. There were still lame people in the world. There were all sorts of diseases in yeah. the world. But he had completed the work that God had called him to do. Hmm. And so because we live in a broken, fallen world, we're always going to have disease we're always going to have difficult issues in life that you and I both have dealt with different facets of our life. Mm-hmm. We've known one, known one another long enough that we, we know things that we've gone through. Yeah. Everybody will because of this side of the cross. What we're living in is broken and fallen, and it will not be redeemed until Jesus comes back and sits on the throne. Yeah. And, you know, he, he acknowledges that statement about the poor, but as he makes his way, beginning this day, to the cross, and he rides in on his donkey in the next scene, <laughs> yeah. um, he becomes um, not just a physical manifestation of someone who can help the poor tangibly, and he calls us to do that, but he becomes the spiritual answer to the poor and the rich alike um, through his death on the cross and resurrection. Absolutely. Um, what really matters. Yeah. What's eternal. That's right. And so, you know, Mickey, in verse 11, and this is, John's consistent in this, um, he says, on the count of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. Mm-hmm. And so, John's super consistent in his, um, just his main theme is he wants people to see Jesus and put their faith in him. Right. Believe, right. trust, rely on and every encounter, every miracle, every I am statement, the expectation is come to me and believe in me. Yeah. I'm the source of life. Yeah. And so, hey, before we finish, Mickey, anything else that, that likely won't make the sermon, that an insight that you'd like to share? That- well, to, to that point that you just made, I would say when he raised Lazarus from the dead, he knew he was unleashing the yeah, Jews. That's right. He he knew that this this was it. When he did that publicly in front of everyone, um, that brought the wrath of the Pharisees down. It was too much. Yeah. It was too much at that point. And uh you know, that was the news of the day because here we are, it's Passover, and you have all these Jews coming down from Galilee to celebrate Passover in Jerusalem. And that I mean they showed up. At Lazarus' house because they wanted to see him. They yeah. wanted to see what it, what would if we want to see Lazarus and what yeah. he's done. And then they celebrated Jesus there on the Mount of Olives, uh, where all those Galilean uh, Jews were camped for Passover. They were camped there on the Mount of Olives, yeah. and so that was the celebration. It would have been a headline in their paper. Hmm. Uh, so the, it's a significant, significant event. The only th- other thing that I would add, and I wish I could go into it more, and I, um, uh, maybe I will dip into it, but this act of worship, 
what Mary did, and, and we see this in other vignettes in the scripture of her, uh, what she did was an act of worship. And we tend to keep, and you know, I'm a musician, we tend to keep the idea of worship in the music box. Hmm. How was the worship today? Means what songs right. did we sing? Right, yeah, did yeah. You or, like, yeah. When I was doing music, um, which I, I don't do, can't do as well anymore, uh, I can't sing like David or, or these guys that you all have down there uh, any longer because the voice just gets older, you know. Uh, but it's not about music. When someone would say, hey, could you come do some worship? They would want me to come do some music. Mm -hmm. And so we've taken that word and we've put it in too small a box. But anything we do has the possibility of becoming an act of worship. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Anything we do. And so we have to remember uh, uh, J. Oswald Sanders' definition of worship is giving God the best he has given you. Hmm. And that's what she did. Yeah. Uh, to take this valuable, lavish, extravagant gift and pour it on the Lord, uh, that was an act of worship. Hmm. And I've even wondered as, I, as I've studied this passage, never thought about this before, I wonder if that's why some of the Romans were casting lots for his clothing. Oh, yeah. These really smell good because I think he carried that fragrance with him all the way to the cross. Mm. So it's a beautiful passage and, yeah, and really one is. we ought to dig deeply into it and apply to our own lives. Yeah. Well, Mickey, thank you so much for the time uh, today. And I hope this is helpful for you, our listeners, on Sermon Notes. And we look forward to being with you next time. Have a great week.